Hello and welcome to Shrunker 99.94, Cricket Every Day. My name is Mark Machado from the Mirror End, and I'm joined, as always, by Estelle Vazi Devon from the Papare. Shrunker 99.94 is your new home for Shrunker content. We'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube and the 99.94 app several times every week. So please do rate, review and subscribe. Thank you for joining Cricket's Conversation. Today, Estelle, we are looking back at the Super 4's women's T20 tournament that was recently concluded in Sri Lanka. Um, the reason for this is because, of course, the Women's T20 World Cup started in South Africa this February. Um, let's get your initial impressions. I mean, it's great to see uh, Sri Lankan women's cricket back playing again. But I'll be honest, they've, they've been playing quite a bit this year. Uh, we've kind of moved on from, isn't it great that they're playing to, right, how, how's this team improving? Who's coming through? What are the players to watch? What's the pathways? And almost more importantly than all of all of that, how are we going to get those big scores on? Yeah, uh, when you talk about the big scores, I think that's the big, big question for Sri Lanka cricket going forward. Uh, like you said, they've got a lot of competition going on throughout this year. They've had a couple of tournaments. But like we discussed uh, in the 50 over, after the 50-over competition as well, uh, I'm not entirely sure how much of an uh, impact uh, like a five to six day tournament really has uh, or how much you can do within that time period. But nevertheless, I mean, it's it's good that it's happening. Uh, the runs are a big concern. I think we, if I'm not mistaken, I think the, the highest score was something like 123 in the entire tournament. There were a lot of rain interruptions, uh, bad weather in Colombo, but Still, that that is exactly the problem Sri Lanka has when they go into the international arena. They're not able to get uh, big enough totals to challenge some of the other teams that are higher ranked. Uh, so that that issue continues. So I don't know. Uh, I'm interested to see if it's addressed at some point because I don't think those are the type of scores that are going to win your games in South Africa in a couple of months. No, I, I agree. And especially if these are the schools that we're getting on pitches that these girls have been brought up on, when they go to slightly you know, more foreign climes, what kind of schools can we expect for, from there? I mean, we earlier in the year, we did quite well in the Asia Cup in Bangladesh. Um, but really, when you look at it, we did quite well defending really low schools. And in some ways, that's a great skill to have. And you just think if we can find runs from somewhere and not be overly reliant on on one or two players at the top of the order making the runs, then you think we could actually be like move up the kind of competitive rankings. Because I think at the moment, there's not a huge amount of teams around the world who are looking at us with any sort of fear and trepidation, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 a lot of different areas that need to be addressed. If you... If you just look at the Indian side, who have become really, really competitive in the last couple of years, obviously they have much better resources. Not perfect, but they've got better resources when compared to Sri Lanka. Uh, and you know the fast bowlers they've got, the girls they've got who who are able to you know take on the bowling and score at more than a runner ball. That those are the two areas that they have really grown in the last few years, right? Um, and that's just something that's not happening for Sri Lanka. I think if you look at the top scorers uh, in this tournament that concluded, I, I don't I don't think it'll come as any surprise, but Chamari Atapattu is the only one scoring at 
you know, uh, uh, an acceptable kind of T20 rate. I think her, her strike rate was 170 plus. Uh, Nilakshi De Silva was around 100. She also had a, she had a, I think she had a good tournament. What happens with the strike rate obviously is that it's averaged out. So the knocks that she did get run, she's been scoring at a good rate. So apart from those two, um, Sri Lanka haven't been, you know, scoring runs at a good pace either. Um, and the other thing is the fast bowlers, right? This time around, you have a couple of left armers in that top five wicket takers. But if you look at Sri Lanka's, the teams they've fielded in the international arena over the last couple of years, you rarely get two fast bowlers, like proper fast bowlers in the in the lineup. It's always one, either Udeshika Prabodhini or Achini Kulasuri, and then like five or six different spinners. And like you mentioned, in conditions like Bangladesh, that works because their conditions are also, uh, I won't say similar to Sri Lanka, but very much favoring the spinners. And, you know, there isn't much bounce or you, you don't expect teams to score 150 plus often. But that's not where Sri Lanka play a lot of their cricket or where a lot of successful teams play, right? So if you want to be competitive, then you're going to have to, you know, raise your game in those areas and it's difficult when you're not given those kind of conditions in Sri Lanka so I don't know it, it's it's there are definitely positives um, in terms of how the team is going has has been throughout throughout this year but lots and lots of changes need to come into play if Sri Lanka want to be competitive with at least maybe not Australia England uh India for now, but at least with the other, like the second tier teams like West Indies, um, South Africa, I'm sorry, South Africa is not a second tier team, but yeah. I, I love, um, there's a few of the South African women play in the in the women's hundred and they are absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Van Niekerk and, uh, well, Lizelle Lee, but she's obviously retired from um, women's cricket. So I don't think we'll see her at the World Cup, but, but unless something changes. Um, has, did we see an emergence of a new star in this tournament, though? Uh, because the, the top wicket taker was Tarushi Raja Karuna. Um, what can you tell us about her? Again, like we discussed in the 50-hour competition, I can't tell you much. I know that she's an off-spinner. Uh, didn't feature in the 50-hour competition, which is, which is surprising. But she seemed to have a knack of picking up wickets. It's, it's difficult to say without having, you know, been at the venue and, you know there isn't much access to these games apart from the scorecards and stuff. So it's difficult to say, but it's um, encouraging, I think, to see some new names come up in tournaments like this. And that's why they need to play, right? Because you get to see some of the newer girls. You don't want to have a team that's failing, continuously fail and not have any new people coming in. Um, so... Yeah, it's encouraging to see. I ho hope that maybe she gets a run in the domestic competitions um, during the next year and hopefully we see better competition in the sense that we have tournaments that give players a real opportunity to um, showcase what they can do instead of having like five to six day competitions. Uh, we'll talk about the fact that the visibility for this tournament was very low. I want to ask about Charmory, though, because she missed the 50-over competition, mainly to play the Women's Big Bash. Um, she is the one absolute world-class star. 
um, that Sri Lankan cricket have in the women's game. Does her inclusion in tournaments did that bring you know people? Did that pique people's interest in it? I I say did that make people interested in it? But obviously it's it's, it's difficult to be interested in a product that you can't really see. Um, but were people talking about the fact that she was playing? Did does you know did that get people going? I think she's one obviously one of the names that gets people's attention. Um, just like not to divert from the topic, but like my dad at the moment is watching a, a, a rerun of a women's Big Bash game, right? And he's only able to do that because that's on TV. It's it's very much that, you know, build it and they will come. If, if there is more access to these games, if it's marketed properly, if they're able to give these players the resources to play a better or more uh, entertaining brand of cricket, it is something that will grow. And we've seen that around the world, right? The T20s against between India and Australia sold out 40,000 people. That is the capacity of our Premadasa, right? So it is a product that you can, you, you, you have, but you have to invest in it and you have to build it. You can't just, you know, give them the bare minimum um, and expect it to organically, organically grow like that. But, to your point, yeah, I think Atapattu's name definitely is one that gets people a little more interested. She has a lot of support. Uh, overall, I think she's converted a lot of fans who probably didn't, you know, weren't interested in women's cricket. Um, she's converted a, lot, converted a lot of them, I think. This time next year, I think it's around this time next year. Obviously, dates haven't been released. Am I right in thinking that will be... Around the time that this women's T10, well, and men's, but um, the T10 league will be will be starting, and the idea for that is is to bring in as all as many big names as they can, right? Uh, I'm hearing also that it might be uh, overseas players might be limited to four to five, which is not how the T10 competition in Dubai is played, right? If I'm not mistaken, so I don't know. It'll be good if we can bring down uh, some of the big stars and. I think more importantly, I really hope we get to see at least three to four players get into IPL squads because that'll be a massive experience, I think, for some of them. Atapattu obviously has played around the world, uh, but she hasn't had too much success in any of the leagues that she's played. Um, obviously, the uh, the women's IPL has kind of been an exhibition tournament up to now, but... Um, It'll be good if Sri Lanka can draw in some of those big names because obviously that will bring a lot of interest. Um, the women's game, like I said, it's on TV, right, in Sri Lanka. So even if you don't see local players, you're you're exposed to the Elise Perrys, the Harman Preet Kors, um, all of them. So I think if some big names, uh, uh, Sri Lanka cricket are able to draw some of those big names, then definitely there'll be a lot of interest. And in the hundred, at least they've been able to. Which I, that's my favourite reference because obviously I live in the UK. It's also something I've, I've covered quite a lot as well. They've been able to, unlike the men's franchise leagues, they've been able to get the, the top Indian players over as well, which I think could be huge if Sri Lanka um, and the, that T10 league were able to do it for for the for the league in terms of drawing an audience, right? Um, let's take a quick break, Estelle. When we come back, let's look a little bit more into uh, into this tournament. And also then let's at some stage start looking ahead to, to February and Hashtag's preparations for this World Cup lining up. 
I'm Jared Kimber and I host two podcasts on 99.94. Red Inca, which is chats on trends and stories within the game with a weekly Q&A where I can be asked about anything from a time-travelling Don Bradman to which cricket ground serves the best food. And Double Century, I look at the historical stories that make cricket what it is today. You can search for either of them in your favourite podcast platform or on the 99.94 DM app. Um, so Estelle, um, we've we've had the 50 over tournament. We've had a reasonable amount of cricket being played now for for women's cricket. This we, we've talked about the lack of visibility for for this particular tournament. That's that's very frustrating. In your opinion, what what needs to happen? And we and we also talked about how T10 um, there's this professional T10 league starting as well. But what needs to happen in terms of, you know, creating uh, stronger pathways and getting these players to 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 be more competitive on a world stage for Shrunka? Are we heading in the right direction or would you like to see more? I would like to see more, of course. I think, uh, to be honest, I think it, Sri Lanka's growth in the game is not going to happen in the next couple of years if, if it does happen. There needs to be a lot of investment in schools level, is my opinion, because that's what, that's that's where you're getting your players, right? At the moment, what happens is at at schools level, when you do well, you maybe play for, if you happen to be in a school that plays leather ball cricket, because not not every school plays. I think we've discussed it before. It's not like the boys' side of things. Um, not a, not a lot of girls' schools play leather ball cricket, particularly in Colombo. Um, so you need to get girls playing cricket. And again, another step, like one of the keys to that is making it visible, uh, making it accessible in the sense that, you know, when you see players on TV, if I'm being honest, I don't think I it even like occurred to me that a women's team existed in Sri Lanka until 2013, right? Until they we saw them on TV, beating India, beating England, right? So... If we are to inspire the next generation of talent, then they need to see those players on TV. They need to see, like, they need to be exposed to those players a lot. Uh, and schools level needs a lot of investment. I think most schools need to be encouraged to play. Resources need to be allocated to those schools. I think that is happening to a certain degree, but maybe it can be fast-tracked. Um, and from there, the the domestic system needs to be built. At the moment, what happens is, and I think I've mentioned this before as well, basically when you're in school, you either play for the Coles Cricket Club or you play for uh, Chilaumerians or whatever little clubs. Uh, there are kind of private clubs. But then as soon as you leave school, uh, most, most of the girls want to join one of the forces. So Army, Navy, Air Force are the big three teams in Sri Lanka. And most girls want to join those school, uh, join those teams or cl- cricket clubs because they get paid a monthly wage, right? It, it's basically you're given a job and part of your job is also to play cricket. So uh, like I mentioned, cricket isn't played a lot in Colombo schools for girls. So a lot of these girls come from rural areas of Sri Lanka. So financially, it's the best option to go into get into one of the forces, right? But what happens then is it's very kind of you have maybe the forces second team or the B team is probably better than Coles Cricket Club. 
and also what's sad to see and and I and I saw this firsthand is that uh, Colts cricket club or their schools coaches build these players up Colts invests in them and then they they leave to join one of the forces which you can't blame the players obviously because it, it's it's a financial incentive that it's not like you're getting paid anything uh, at some of these private clubs so um that that imbalance needs to be addressed i think because what happens is sometimes you go into the forces and you don't even make their b team um and then you're you know warming the bench when whereas you could have been playing if you were in one of the private clubs so that is definitely something that needs to be addressed can i ask you a slightly personal question Estelle? you said that you you weren't aware of a women's team till 2013 when you were growing up um, and obviously at 2013, I don't want to, you know, I shouldn't reveal too much <laughs> of personal details about you. You were still the very young girl, but when, you know, pre, pre that, what was your, did you even consider that women can play cricket in Sri Lanka that, you know, there was any way into playing it beyond playing in the garden or playing, playing with friends on the beach or something like that? Did you, did, would, did it, and also on top of that, when you, when this women's team emerges, what were your initial thoughts? That must have been quite a quite a moment, right? Because I know you're very uh, you're obsessed by not just cricket, but you know netball, football, a lot of other sports as well, right? Yeah. So I don't think. I mean, I can't obviously recall anything specific, but I don't think we were aware while we were schooling that there was there could be something like this. I always tell my dad because my dad my dad is the one who got me into every sport, right? Uh, you know, we grew up with posters of Pete Sampras, Michael Johnson, Alan Donald on our walls, right? So I always tell him that if if he, if we had known that you can go to this club and play cricket, he would have enrolled me in a heartbeat. I know that for sure because he was the one who used to push me to do sport and, you know, any sport, whatever it was. So... I don't think there was that kind of awareness at that time uh, that you can, this is something that you can pursue, which is something that's changing now, definitely. Because, I mean, I've spoken to Shashikala Sirivadana. She coaches at the Mercantile Cricket Association. She has a kind of a academy. Um, and she's told me how, like, the numbers have grown so much um, over the past couple of years. So that's definitely a very encouraging sign. Again, it's about visibility, Right when you see these things happen and like when you ask me, I'm thinking about it like 2013, the World Cup happened. I think it was 2013 or 2014 where I just enrolled at Colts to play. Uh, I mean, I hadn't played any leather ball cricket or any hardball cricket or any competitive cricket up till then. Uh, but after that, so that's the impact it has, right? When When you see it, happening obviously I had at that point it was it was too late for me to kind of pursue it as a career but I can only imagine how many youngsters or you know maybe even kids who are playing for not kids but some of the girls playing for the national team now uh, were inspired by that moment in or, or those or the, those games in 2013 to really pursue cricket as a career. Um, let's take a quick break, Esther. When we get back, I want to talk about this World Cup in February and uh, how Sri Lanka are getting prepared for it. Hi, I'm Nikesh Shragani, commentator and host of the India on 99.94 podcast. Several times each week, my co-host Sarah Waris and I 
we'll be bringing you the very best in Indian cricket chat. Whether we're discussing the legend of Julan Goswami, KL Rahul's strike rate, the men's T20 death bowling woes, or the latest controversy involving the BCCI, we've got you covered. You can listen and subscribe via your usual podcast provider. Just search for India on 99.94. You can watch us via YouTube and you can download the 99.94 app. If you love Indian cricket, then join our conversation. Um, so Estelle, um, we, we've talked about the, the the domestic T20 that they've just held. We've talked about pathways into the game. We've also been lucky enough to get your insight into what it was like for you growing up as a cricket fan and and woman in Sri Lanka. Uh, what there is this tournament coming up in South Africa. Um, Sri Lanka are qualified. They will be going to it. Where exactly are Sri Lanka's preparations right now? Because I heard a rumour that we have currently have no head coach in place. Yeah, so Hashan Tilakaratna resigned at the end of the Asia Cup. So there isn't a head coach in place. They're currently in the high performance centre at the at, at the R Madasa. So they're in training. Uh, I met a couple of the girls a few days ago. So there's a big pool of uh, maybe 30 to 35 players in training there. That'll be the preparation, I guess. I think January might see Sri Lanka traveling to Bangladesh for a, uh, for three ODIs and three T20s, which which is uh, either they travel or they uh, Bangladesh come here, one of the other. Uh, but which I guess is good uh, because Bangladesh is a team that is kind of on Sri Lanka's level. Um, so it'll be good preparation. Uh, we also saw... Uh, the men's uh, men's uh, fielding coach Anton Rue training the players, just teaching the basics and stuff like that. So that's that's also good to see. I'm sure some of the uh, players who who haven't featured in the national squad before, or kind of new to new to the high performance center, would have appreciated that. But it's not ideal, right? Uh, two months out. Yeah. So so if there's the no if there's no head coach, who who is and waking up in the morning and going, right, this is what we're working on today. This is what the plan is. This is what we need to... Look, I understand that in SLC, they they employ a number of coaches and that, you know, there's people with a number of specialisms. But I think what we're, in real terms, we're like six weeks away from this tournament starting. And the fact that we have no head coach and the fact that we try and tell people that we take cricket seriously on, on the island, I think is absolute... It, it, like, we're letting ourselves down here, aren't we? Um, yeah so do you have any idea who's in charge so Rumesh Ratnayaka is who they are training under Um, so he's he's one of the coaches at the high performance centre so basically I think they have he's heading things and then they have you know uh, the others like the spin bowling coaches and everyone uh, who is employed at the high performance centre is accessible to them. Okay, so it looks like he might be the person that might end up taking the girls to to, to South Africa. I mean, South Africa is a lovely place, right? There's great mm-hmm. food and great wine, um, and, and you can go on safari and see and see lions and tigers. Oh, you can't see tigers, but you can see lions at least. Surely, there's no end of people who want to actually try and uh, coach his team for the next few uh, few months. You, yeah, you'd I'd expect. go if they let me. I don't have yeah. no qualifications, but why not? Um, um, what what should what should our expectations for this team be? Right, I think um, they've got they've got to play. So it's, they're playing the opening game against South Africa, I think. Right, that's a lot of pressure on them. 
Yeah, they are playing the uh, first game against South Africa. And in the past, I think maybe 2014, 2016, South Africa was kind of at Sri Lanka's level and those games used to be really competitive. But since then, the teams have kind of gone in opposite directions. South Africa, of course, it's kind of their golden generation, isn't it? Like they've, they've reached uh, semifinals and finals uh, over, the, over a number of competitions in, in the last five to six years. But Sri Lanka have gone in the opposite direction. I don't know. I think it's very difficult to expect them to kind of compete with teams like Australia or England or even India. But they'd be happy if they can turn over teams like West Indies or Pakistan. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to look at the schedule so that I'm actually talking about te- players that uh, teams that they will face. Uh, yeah. Don't, like, don't be yeah, too so, worried about it. I mean, SLC can't be bothered to give them a head coach. So Yeah, like. so the group includes Bangladesh. So I think Bangladesh, New Zealand, Australia and South Africa. So it's a tough group. Uh, I think they'll be happy if they can win. They'll be expecting to beat Bangladesh. Um, and if they can get one other win, I think they'll be satisfied with that because it's 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 kind of impossible to see them beating a team like Australia. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. No, right? I, th- I think that's fair. I think um, that Australian women's team is, you know, and I take no pleasure from saying this. I've been obviously been brought up in an environment where it's anyone but Australia, right, when it comes to, to cricket. Um, but that Australian women's team are about as good a professional sports side as you'll get in the world. Um, and they're they're pretty much a machine that are. Uh, sometimes I think they might be actually on un, actually unbeatable, um, and that you kind of got to hope for them to have a bad day, to have a dodgy lasagna the night before, and a lot of things to to go your way. But yeah, I agree, and it, it's really looking at that group. It's, it's just two games that they should really be targeting: the Bangladesh game and the New Zealand game. I think South Africa and Australia have probably got a bit too much of them, wouldn't you? But this is Sri Lanka cricket, Estelle. You get to a World Cup, you get to any sort of tournament, and absolutely anything can happen. Because luckily, all of our Sri Lankans were just born with a big game temperament. Doesn't you know? It doesn't matter uh, whether it's at the cricket or whether it's at work or whatever it is. We're always up for the big occasion, right? Actually, um, I was I was going to say like expectations wise or hope. I hope whatever game Sri Lanka wins, if they do win one, that someone other than Atapattu is the one who gets runs. I mean, obviously, I love seeing her getting runs, but it it would be nice to see somebody else supporting her and kind of, you know, putting up a good performance. That, yeah, absolutely. And and hopefully, off the back of it, I think the real main target should be to get some of the other girls some franchise contracts around the world, right? Because there's more and more... Um, franchise leagues for and opportunities for women springing up so it'd be great to get some of those girls in and see if you know you can, you can improve the game that way as it were um estelle let's leave it there obviously we'll be following every twist and turn off the shrunken women's team um in the next few weeks leading up to this tournament 
Thank you for listening to Sri Lanka on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast and tell all your friends and family about us. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mark Machado and Estelle is at Estelle underscore Vazu Deb one as in the number one. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. Cricket every day your way.